Happy New Year, Eastern Hills. Thanks for joining us for this first page in the story of 2023, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen this year with all of you. It's helpful at this time of year to do two things. First of all, we should reflect on the past year. Okay, how has the past year been? Is this a year we want to repeat? Are we, do we like build on a lot of good things or maybe some real negative stuff happened where it's just like, man, I don't want to see that again. Uh, or has it been a situation where, you know what, yeah, we're building towards something great. Uh, we're really starting to see yeah, life transformation that we hope for as Christians and maybe God is really moving us along or we're maybe making progress in a lot of goals that we have. Uh, but however this last year has been, the second thing that's very helpful to do is look ahead. Look at, okay, what do we hope happens in this next year? What do we hope goes on? What are we hoping to accomplish? What do we really want to see happen? Where maybe is God taking us each individually, but also as a group? Where is God moving us in this next year? And where is that going to be? There's a moment in the book of Acts that I think would be very helpful for us to see uh, and look at an experience as we're evaluating the second question of how do we go forward this year. Look at this story that goes on in the book of Acts. It's in chapter 14. It says this, they, uh, the they here is Paul and Barnabas. Uh, some of you know that in the book of Acts, there's three missionary journeys that are outlined that Paul goes on. This is toward the end of the first one, but it's Paul and Barnabas. So they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Now, it'd be helpful to get a little bit of background on this passage and look at this first missionary journey. So, uh, up here is a lovely map of the first missionary journey. And so, like most of them, it starts here at Antioch. Uh, but then we actually call this the candy cane uh, missionary journey, not just because we're talking about it a week after Christmas, but also it's vaguely shaped like a candy cane, or at least it is to me. Uh, and so that's what's going on there. But uh, interestingly enough, the, very, the start of this missionary journey is in Acts 13. You can read that on your own time. Uh, but the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul uh, for the work that I've got for them to do. Never says where to go. Which is kind of interesting because in my head, at least for most of my Christian life, I've been like, oh, like with these missionary journeys, the Holy Spirit, like every turn is like giving GPS directions, like in four miles, turn left, go to this city, right? That doesn't actually happen. As a matter of fact, uh, in all the missionary journeys and acts, the Holy Spirit gives directions one time, and it's don't go east. But then how do they sort out which cities to go to? Uh, as it turns out, the first place they go is the island of Cyprus. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that Barnabas is from Cyprus, right? They go home. That's the first thing they do. So they go to Barnabas's home. They go from one end of the island to the other. But then where to go to next? Paul's home. They take a roundabout way of getting there, uh, kind of going through this side. Paul is from the city of Tarsus over here. But they go along the main road uh, through this journey, and they just go from town to town, and they stop in each town uh, along the way and preach the gospel. Now, it's not by accident that they say, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, because they don't actually make it to Paul's home uh, here in this journey, because uh, they almost die more than once. And lots of people have a crazy amount of resistance to the gospel. 
But they also see a lot of positive things. A lot of churches are planted. The gospel is planted and it springs up bodies of believers in these different towns. But notice what their encouragement to these churches is. It is to remain true to the faith. Now, this word remain uh, in Greek is the word meno, which if you're a really King James person means abide. Uh, But maybe uh, if we're a bit more modern in our thinking, it's remain or continue in. It's the idea of continue to press in and press forward and keep doing what has already been done. To keep pressing forward and onward and upward into the continuous growth of something. And so their encouragement to these churches is just to continue in their faith. It's this idea of just keep taking the next right step, whatever that is. Notice what it is for these churches uh, in the very next verse. It says this in verse 23. uh, Then Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. First of all, uh, these people in these towns have been Christians for like 10 minutes. I don't know what an elder is at that point. Like you've been a believer for nine or 10 minutes versus these other people that have been a believer for like one. But whatever an elder is or whatever an elder statesman in faith is at this point, they're setting in structure. Because the next right step for these churches where uh, the gospel had been preached, people came to the faith is to actually have some kind of organizing principle around them. Like, that's why even we at Eastern Hills here have elders, and so that we have some kind of accountability structure. We're held to a certain standard. We're supposed to hold the vision, trust the process, and also follow Jesus. That's what our elders help us do, and that's what these people in this story are doing. But it's the next right step for those in these cities. But that's also how this whole missionary journey went as well. Where to go to next? The next city on the road. Where should we go? Home. Where do we go from there? The other guy's home. And they just hit places along the way. So really simply, the basic encouragement that I have for us today is to just take the next right step. I was listening to an interview of a guy named Andy Stumpf, who used to be a Navy SEAL, but then also became a drill instructor for the SEALs. Uh, But the thing that stood out to me in the conversation was that whoever was interviewing him asked, who makes it, right? Who gets through buds, right? If the Navy SEALs are like some of our most elite soldiers that we have in America, and they're toward the top echelon of warriors in the world, like who actually makes it through that kind of training? But his response fascinated me. He said, you know, physically looking at these guys, you can't tell a difference between the guys that pass and fail. Some are big, some are small, some of the small guys make it, some don't. Some of the big guys make it, some don't. Matter of fact, star college athletes actually tend to struggle in these trainings, and so that doesn't actually help there either. But one of the things that all the guys who succeed had in common was that they kept their world small. What he meant by that is essentially the guys that came in and thought about the big picture of like, okay, I want to be a SEAL, but then also, man, I've got to get through months and months of training, and then there's a whole step of training after that, and another set of training after that, and then eventually all this work that goes with it, they would get overwhelmed by looking at the entirety of what they wanted to accomplish, and they wouldn't make it. But the guys that kept their world small knew the vision of, okay, I want to be 
a seal, but then spent most of their time just thinking about, I got to get to the next meal or just make it through the next training evolution or just make it through the next day. The guys that succeeded just thought about the next right step. And so for us, like when we've got New Year's resolutions going on, we, we have wild and huge dreams. Like I'm going to be an amazing athlete. I'll be in shape. I'll work out four times a week. It'll be excellent, right? Or I'm going to be an amazing parent and I'm going to crush it every time. But then like you get home and your kids annoy you immediately and you're like, oh, I missed it, right? Like we have grand visions of what we want to do and be in goals. And it's good, but if we only focus on the grand side and not the granular it's actually going to trip us up. So first of all, when we're talking about what's your next right step, first of all, what comes to mind immediately? Right? Like maybe when this idea is put up and, you're, and we're asking, what's your next right step? Something immediately jumps to mind. Pay attention to that. Right? Especially if it's something you don't want to do. If something you don't want to do comes to mind first, that's probably a good indication that you should at least look at doing that thing. But here, we're a Christian church. So what would happen if in the next time you prayed, you just set aside two minutes, just two minutes, and you just asked the simple question to God of, dear God, what is my next right step? And then silently wait. Maybe you will have something that comes to mind or maybe some kind of prompting. Maybe you won't. But if nothing comes in that moment, maybe the next day, take a two-minute. Okay, God, what's my next right step? What could happen there? But maybe the next step for you is just listen to the rest of the sermon. And so I'll give you some suggestions, right? So maybe you do have something where you want to be in shape, right? You want to get, get a good routine of working out, maybe join the Y, and you're like, I got to use this membership before I, we at least got to make it to February, right? right? Maybe the next step is just simply tonight before you go to bed, pull out your workout clothes, set them next to the bed so you at least have the option to go work out in the morning right? Small things. Do five push-ups tomorrow. Small things. Maybe the thing you're trying to get is deeper. Maybe you need to start a rhythm of rest. One thing that Abby and I do uh, is every year on our anniversary, we have like a state of the marriage dinner, which we go out on a date. We give the kids to some babysitter to watch. Uh, but then we also pick a word for the year. We reflect on the past year. And we figure out for the next year where we want to be. And we pick a word. Uh, sometimes we repeat words because we f- didn't, don't feel like we like got it all the way done. Right? That's happened a couple of times. But for us, this past year and this current year that we're in of marriage, we actually pick the same word again just because We want to be more solid on it. We don't feel like we've all the way arrived at it. And so the word is is rhythm. But one of those things that we want to establish as a healthy, regular rhythm for ourselves is Sabbath. Right? Because first of all, it seems like God values at least a rhythm of rest. But also, for me, Sabbath is an act of resistance in a culture of productivity. 
right? Everything we do is measured by our output, essentially, here. Uh, or at least it feels that way, like work. How many hours did you work? How much money did you make the company? How mu- whatever it is, like it's all productivity-based valuations. And so for me to have a day where I do nothing for which I get paid for is both an act of resistance so that I still maintain in myself some of that counter-cultural Christianity, but also it's an act of trust um, because it's very tempting to think like, okay, the whole church has to like run based on me or it's all on me or I've got to figure this out or I got to get this done or I have to care for these people. Nobody else will or like I got to do all these things, right? Whatever might come to mind. But taking a day off where I put my phone away, where I don't check it, and just spend meaningful time with the blessings that God's given me, right, my daughters, my wife, maybe some friends, it's an act of trust saying, I don't run this church. God does. Maybe uh, for you, starting a rhythm of Sabbath could simply be an act of trust of, okay, I trust that in six days a week, God will provide enough income where I don't have to work the seventh. But that doesn't just start with, hey, I have a Sabbath day, I'm good. Picking a day is helpful, but also maybe it's a two-hour window where you finally turn off your phone and just experience life without your phone for a couple hours. Maybe the thing that you desperately need in this next season is meaningful community, right? Maybe your goal for 23 is I'm going to make friends. (laughs) Finally, it's going to work, right? I'm finally going to have people that I'm in a meaningful uh, relationship with, that we're friends and we know each other very, very well. That does not happen overnight. It takes a lot of time. And if you think about it in terms of like, oh, this year I want to make three friends, right, that I can actually like hang out with regularly that know me, that I know, and that we get along great, right? If the first time you go to a, uh, someone's house or like have coffee, like it goes poorly, but you're thinking about the big goal only, like you're going to get discouraged. But a small next right step could just be set up coffee with one person. One week. Maybe this week, pick one person to have coffee with. And then next week, maybe just do that one more time. For us at Eastern Hills, we also have big goals that we want, right? Our vision is to be fully engaged in Christ at church and on mission. That's a huge, huge goal. But even if we boil it down to we want just people to be highly engaged in Christ. We want people to be connected to Jesus, right? We want everyone who calls this place home to be closer and closer to Jesus every single day. That's a huge goal. And so what we need to do is find one next right step for us all to do together. And so for the next year, we're going to engage with this thing called the New City Catechism. Uh, It's a very simple thing. And honestly, what it's meant to do is to help us uh, better memorize scripture, but also give us more handles with which to engage our prayer life and also get us more soaked into scripture. But what it is, it's just very, very simple. It's basic. There's weekly Uh, devotional kinds of things, and they're short, they're easy to work with. But what we're going to do is we're going to have hard copies available on Sundays for like you to pick up if you want them. There's actually a kid's version as well. So if you've got a family and you want to journey through it as a family, we'll do that. Uh, We've also, every week, we'll send out in an email uh, just the 
teaching, devotional thought, that for the week. That'll go out as well. So if you haven't signed up for our weekly emails, you should. Uh, That's another reason too, because we want to add value to your life, not just update you on what we do. We want to add value into your life. And this will be one of those things. But it'll also become part of our Sunday rhythms. And some of the things that we're including on Sunday mornings will be stuff from this. And so what I would encourage us as a church is because we want to be more engaged in Christ take the next right step together of going through these devotionals and entries together. This is one way in which we are going to take a step together to be closer to Jesus. Yes, in the next year, and some of you already have heard some rumblings from Rob uh, about some of the fun things we're going to try to do, the bigger projects we've got going on and amazing things we want to see God do. But this will be that first step among many toward helping us fully engage in Christ. So, With that said, whether it is uh, individual goals that we have for ourselves or it's this big church goal that we have as a unit, take some meaningful time today, either in meditation, maybe in thought, maybe in prayer, maybe with somebody that you trust and just put the simple question in front of yourself. What is my next right step? Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. Thank you for a moment at the beginning of a new chapter of our lives where we get to stop and reflect. God, for whatever this past year has brought us, good, bad, ugly, weird, creative, we put that in your hands and trust that it is behind us. God, for whatever has happened this year that we still have to deal with, we pray your provision over that. But looking ahead, help us set God-sized goals. Help us to be people who live like you would have us live. Help us to be people who keep our world small. We keep the big vision in our heads, but also think about just one next right thing to do. And God, we trust that as the people of God and the people that live the way of Jesus, We trust that you will be with us in that and you will help guide our steps, guide us into what you would have for us. God, we can't wait to see what you are going to do here in our community, in our church, and through us in this next year. And God, just off the top, we dedicate it wholly, ever, and only to Jesus. In all these things we pray in his name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We cannot wait to see you back again in person next week, January 8th, either at 9 or 10.30. I'll see you soon.